it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have such a special show today because one, our return guest, Patricia Greenberg is here with this brilliant idea. It's called a crossover show, okay? I don't even know what that means, but all I know is Cindy's actually talking today, which also makes me happy. So this, we, we probably need more engineers. We need a parade. We need sound effects. It's all about Eat Well, Live Well, Age Well, which is Patricia's latest book. But we're talking about a really big issue in women beyond a certain age groups. We have to sometimes clean out our parents' home when they've passed on. Cindy, by the way, well, Cindy will tell her story, but Cindy's in the middle of this because her dad recently passed away. And it's a tough subject, but it's something I think that if you've done it, we might be able to share some insights with other people. Yeah, I, you know, Cindy, I, I'm looking forward to hearing your story um, that, and I think all three of us can chime in because there's, there's dealing with the passing of the person. There's dealing with the cleaning out of their things. And that runs the whole gamut from a clean, organized home where they had everything in order to something out of a horror movie that you can't even get in the front door and everything in between. And the emotions that come with that to me is, is what the, is the most devastating part. We all know we're not gonna be here forever. And we all know that we're ultimately gonna lose our parents, uh, but we're not always prepared for the stuff surrounding that, that it isn't always a clean break. Yes. Oh, the stuff surrounding, <laughs> oh, the stuff. <laughs> well, um, my dad was sick for a while and I, um, I'm living with my mom and I was living with both of them while, while he was sick and before he was sick too. And I think that gave me, uh, well, both of us a lot of time to get used to the fact that we were saying goodbye to him. It was a blessing when he went, he, he was really, he had cancer and that's, it's a horrible thing to watch somebody go through. And we did get to have him at home for the last few days. I, I don't know what closure means for different kinds of situations, but I did feel like we had some there. Uh, but his stuff, we've been making fun of him for his stuff for a long time. He was the most organized uh, hoarder on earth. He kept everything out of sight, up in the attic, uh, in cupboards, in his garage, all organized in boxes and labeled. Let me ask you something. When Cindy, when he was alive, did he monitor his inventory? Because some, we tried to sneak behind my parents' back. Isn't this terrible? When they were ill, and we saw the handwriting on the wall. What can we get rid of now that they won't notice so we don't have a nightmare on our hands when they do go? We didn't try doing that when he was real sick. We tried doing that before. Um, for example, he had a treadmill that uh, was out on the back deck and it was a covered deck, so it was pretty safe there. It didn't work. It hadn't worked for years, but he paid a couple thousand dollars for it. So that's what it was worth to him in his mind. I somehow convinced him to get rid of it. And there's a guy that picks stuff up. If you put it out in your alley, he'll pick stuff up as, 
it has lots of metal in it because he he recycles scrap metal. Well, I thought somebody had picked it up because it wasn't there anymore. He pushed it behind the garage when I wasn't looking. Uh. <laughs> now, I wasn't ready yet. He said he was, but he wasn't. Yeah. I have to say this, Cindy, I'm so proud. Many times Cindy and I, the she would come into the office and she'd say something like, my dad has a tandem bike. Okay, that he and my mother have not ridden for two or three years. And I'm I'm gonna try to convince 20 or 30. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 20 or 30 years. But I'm gonna try to convince him. I'm gonna put it, you know, whatever in any of the places for sale. Right. And Cindy would she sounded so firm and she was so smart and it was such a good idea. And then she'd say, Well, I don't think the bike's going to sell because my father paid $3,200 for it 20 years ago and he still wants $3,200 for it. So in Wally's mind, which I totally get, <laughs> it was still worth what he paid for it. And so that's why he couldn't let go of that stuff. Well, I'll tell you, ladies, this is a very serious issue. Yes! This is what we do when we go through our things. Oh, I paid so much for that. I can't possibly throw it out. So that, you know, kind of brings me to, you know, this is very fresh in your mind, Cindy. I'm about, uh, I'm about eight years out of our last clean out of my parents' mm -hmm. house. Um, and they were very, um, to their credit, their funeral arrangements, everything was in place and the house was pretty clean and pretty orderly. So my mother died in 2010. My father died in 2014. So by that time when my mother died, I actually went and packed everything, labeled it, and I brought it to the um, uh, the one of those women's organizations that provide that they collect clothing for women who are re uh, re-entering the work world or or in a shelter. So we put that to good use. So I I do want to talk about that. How do you rip that away from somebody when they have that? monetary attachment especially that generation because they're you know they they lived in a time where thirty two hundred dollars is a lot of money yes. well, there would a lot of money to me but yeah, i you know uh, but you know nowadays you can buy a treadmill for 10 grand you pay 14 dollars for a starbucks coffee uh but in their generation that that's a those are very valuable yeah. items so yeah. you know, we did we do we we did not we did not try to get um to convince him that those things had to go uh we did after after he passed um uh so my mom said so, somebody asked her uh how long she's waited or has she he he passed away on august 20 uh, on april 29th and somebody asked her just a few weeks ago if she had started going through his clothes yet and she said I started going through him the next those clothes the next day. I I don't know. We we did. We just did. We Good started going through everything. And it, it has taken, oh, probably four times through to feel like we did go through nearly all of it. And we had some stuff that we couldn't get rid of that first time through. It had to be the second or the third or the fourth time through, you know, because we were still, I guess, Marie condoing it. You know, we were still yes, looking at yes. it. Right. And um, uh, some things, uh, they were real special to him. He was just, 
he was a huge bike rider and he did ultra marathons and uh the amount of bicycle stuff he had we actually found one of his old bicycle riding buddies who's 90 years old now and he um collects all kinds of old bicycle parts and frames and seats and anything to do with bicycles and people use him as a uh, uh clearinghouse to mm -hmm. find old parts that they can't find anywhere else so we felt really good giving him all of my dad's stuff because it would go to all of the people that you know still love those old bicycles and want to keep riding them so that was nice you know that was a, that felt good to us that's amazing it's like you're rehoming and repurposing items that you don't feel like cuz you know my question is like what do we keep and what do we discard? And the practical answer is we get rid of everything. What do you possibly need another thing in your house for? And it's the emotion thing. attached to that is so profound. Denise, what was your experience? When well, you well, you know, my mother called her last house the cottage. It was 3,500 square feet. Okay. But here's the thing. I can make it short. My mother loved to shop. My mother made, my father was a real estate broker. They bought a house. She turned it into a show place. They sold it. She'd move on to the next house. She used to say, as we got older, she'd say, if you girls weren't attached to me, you could go with the house, okay? Yeah. Because she would, seriously, you might have loved your canopy bed that I had in high school. And in the next house, my mother sold it and I got to the new house, seriously, drove in my car as a teenager to the house, and I had a whole new bedroom set. Oh my goodness. And I would say things like, Mom, I really liked the last bedroom. She said, Oh, that was old. I got a for I got got a fortune for that, honey. And we would move on. So though my mother loved stuff, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When she passed away, the in the bad news and the good news. We had to break down the cottage, but Pat, she hadn't died yet. She'd gone into an Alzheimer unit. Now, uh, typical of my oldest sister, we were all executives in it. My oldest sister says, well, we can't give any of mother's stuff away yet because if she wakes up and wants it back, she could sue us. Now, this is again, we won't talk about the family dynamics here. Never mind. I kept saying as my poor mother was now pooping in her pants and wanted to, you know, wanted to eat birthday cake for breakfast, she wasn't going to wake up. So we broke down her house and had to move it all into a storage unit, keep oh. every single piece. So by the time then she passed, we set up a pretty room in the Alzheimer, Alzheimer unit with her things. So she would, you know, know they were there. Those she was only looking for the birthday cake. And so then we put it all in the thing. By the time we broke that unit down again, I need to tell you something. We realized we needed, uh, we could all let go of this stuff. Do you right. know what I mean? And we did what you did. Most of her gorgeous clothes went to a hospice um, spot. And her furniture, we, we gave it to friends. Do you know what I mean? Literally, we opened up the garage door and all our neighbors that she'd had for 20 years we said would you like this would you like this we gave stuff away we gave her collections of expensive porcelain that of course none of us wanted right. to the nurses that took care of her so we we did the best we could do you know what i mean i kept but speaking to your point 
I kept two or three pieces of furniture that I still have in my house now. Do you know what I mean? Uh, not, I didn't keep all of it. When we moved here to Ventura and we downsized, no, I got rid of some of it. But there are two or three pieces that I have that my mother's that I'm so glad I have because I love them. And I know it would make her happy that I have them. But I, Cindy knows this. At first, I took too much stuff from my mother's estate, okay? I, I took too much stuff. Then when I went on a bender in my own house of cleaning out, her stuff was for sale on the lawn in a, for a garage sale that I was holding. And that helped me a lot. And it helped me a lot in my growth with my own stuff. I thought all our prized possessions end up in someone's garage sale. Well, we had a very interesting experience. I have a house and my siblings live in New York City. My two sisters live in apartments. My brother lives in an apartment in uh, Chicago and my other brother lived in a house 10 minutes from my parents full of furniture and I have a house in LA I said okay I'll take it so I brought it back so then I have five couches in the living room dishes wine glasses galore and what I did was I said okay I have a beautiful coffee table the reality is nobody wants it none of our children are going to want it um, so I did actually donate some to Goodwill I still have my parents beautiful deco couch from the 50s and you know it, it, this is where I I felt like what am I real I sat down and I deep down am I what am I really going to use I took my father's luggage tag and I put it on my briefcase so I always have it with me and I took a keychain from my mother's first trip to Hawaii she was so excited and I took the keychain and I put it on my spare house keys they're tiny tiny um, mementos with huge impact so i know they're here and i'm happy about it but i'm not bogged down with tons of things um what what i wanted to um, also talk about is you know we want mementos from our parents even in contentious relationships we never want to get rid of everything completely um but what are you entitled to in relationship to other people like cindy in your case your mother's still alive Denise, in our cases, the, the last parent went, and then you just have to either distribute through siblings or throw it out or, you know, again, what do you do with that? Well, emotionally, what do you do with that? It's like the person's gone. Yeah. I, when my father died, it was the second parent, and I felt like I was falling backwards off a cliff 90 miles an hour. It's oh. like the safety net was gone. Yeah. There's, there's no place no to go home to. There's Your there's home no is home. home. There's no yeah. home anymore. That's exactly right. No, I never lived in my mother's house. And I, I want Cindy because Cindy's really in a really in right. it moment. But I just want to say this. So my sister, again, my sister, the banker who and who thinks will be sued by my dementia, my poor Alzheimer mother, my sister. But it was a smart thing to do. We made a list. Okay, mm -hmm. we made a three column list. I was taking this, Anne was taking this, Joan was taking this. And on many of the things, not stupid, not tea towels or something, but we put a value on it. If somebody wanted that gold watch, well, that was $8,000, we put a value on it. Now we did that because we could each look and keep it fair. Do you know what I mean? And, and I had two sisters that didn't want not nearly as sentimental as me. They didn't want any of it. Right. Okay. Like I wanted my mother's china. I wanted this. 
I, you know, but this is the only thing. And then I, Cindy, you answered this. This is my favorite and talk about the emotions of it. I never lived in the house my mother was in at the end. Okay. But I felt like it was when she was, when we finally sold it, when she was dead. I'm there and I'm alone now. My sisters and I just want to say that we divided up so much of the work. We each took things to do so that one wasn't stuck. So I was the last man standing at that moment. But are you ready for this and talk about hysterical? The people have now bought it, bought the cottage. And I'm at there still organizing things and the new owners walked in. My mother had a gorgeous mountain view and these drapes that she'd spent, I don't know. You remember when people used to spend oh, sure. dollars on drapes? Uh-huh. This, these silk, this drapes, it was magnificent. Peak ceilings, huge, expanse against the wall. And the woman who's buying the unit says, oh God, those horrible drapes, they'll have to go. Now I need you to know, I was so offended. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And here my beautiful little mother is dead. And these drapes, the place had better showcase, I need you to know. Not safe, not smart. I get on like a 12 foot ladder after two glasses of wine by myself. How, thank God I didn't go through the window. And I'm pulling those drapes down like Scarlett O'Hara because if they don't want them, they're not gonna get them. And balled them all up, gave them to the um, house, the hospice or whatever. We gave a lot of stuff to uh, Habitat for Humanity and they remake things. But when I called my sisters crying to tell them that that horrible woman wasn't getting my mommy's beautiful drinks, they both said to us, said to me, don't drink any more wine, Denise. <laughs> and they said, are you safe now? Are you off the ladder? I said, yes. But you know what? I can cry about it now. I didn't think about it. That was the moment that I realized it was all over. Okay. She was gone. The house would be gone. That, that only in my memories that I would never see her again, nor, you know, and that bitch wasn't getting my mother's dreams. <laughs> so we, we, you know, my brother lived nearby. We took, they retired in Arizona. So we have a friend who deals in antiques. And what happened was she had Stephen donated to a center that people would buy it from. So it would be rehomed, but Stephen would get the um, tax deduction for it. So we had a player piano, if anybody even remembers what those were. And my husband kept saying, take it. I'm like, so we'll have two pianos in our house? Like, nobody could really take it and fit it. And that was one of it. But when we sold the house, we sold it very quickly. And the woman that took it um, was very gracious and wonderful and moved in. And then um, Stephen had left something. My brother Stephen, who lived nearby, had left something in the garage. I don't know, it was by accident or just missed a box or something. She calls him up and she said, Mr. Greenberg, get your shit out of my garage. It's my house. And that to me was the line of demarcation. It was just a box in the corner and it was no longer my father's house. And she just yeah. called up and said, get it out of here. And Stephen was devastated. Yeah. Was I could have used him with helping to get his down. <laughs> so Cindy, you're, you're, you're having to do that but you're still living in it. So how, how is that? Is everything a reminder? Oh, well, it is because uh, I lived in this house. My parents moved here uh, when I was one year old. Oh, wow. And it was the house my grandpa grew up in. 
And uh, so the house has been in the family for a really long time. And my dad has had a lot of time to uh, squirrel away things. <laughs> but I, I've had to move so often before I moved back home. I think um, I moved uh, between the year 1999 and uh when I moved in here six years ago, I think I moved 14 times. Oh my goodness. And I got really used to not hanging on to stuff and not getting emotionally attached to things. There are a couple places that I really love, like my apartment in San Francisco when I was going to cooking school. I love that place more than anything, but um, I just, you know, you realize that once you leave it, uh, you know, what you loved about it is it comes with you. It's not there anymore. It's not yours. When we end up selling this house, which will be pretty soon, it's going to be the first time this house wasn't in the family anymore. Um, but uh, the function of this house is to give us money to live on and to buy a new house. Right. And we're actually going to buy my sister's house from her. Okay. So that was my um, my brother-in-law's grandma's house that we're going to. Obviously, they really like the houses. Everybody, yeah, you're really keeping it. You know, Cindy, that is a beautiful thing, that that is a multi-generational um, attachment in a healthy way to things, that, that you're not hanging on to stuff that's no longer serving you. You're actually working this in a very beautiful way to keep it in the family and keep everybody safe and, and happy and healthy and taken care of. Right. Because if we, if we, if we sell this house uh, and we let emotions dictate who we sell it to, that doesn't work because the person's going to turn around and go, not your, not your house anymore. Ask them. <laughs> yeah, this is my house now get out of here that happened when we sold my grandparents house to a woman who pretended to be very sweet and nice and wonderful and turned out to be the the bane of all the neighbors existence mm -hmm. so you know this house is going to serve us in a financial way going forward it's not going to be anything emotional we'll have our memories we'll have our pictures and it will be hard to leave but at least we're going to be going someplace very familiar. Right. We're not going to be taking 8 billion screws and nails and washers and bolts and, right. <laughs> and bicycle parts. Everything. Right. We did what Denise suggested we do. And we did also have a garage sale. Um, but we took pictures of it before we donated it before we sold it at the garage sale, when it was all spread out, we took pictures of it. Oh, good. Yeah, and I think that helps. You know, you sit there and think, why do I need scuba diving equipment from 48 years ago? Right, right. <laughs> it's an the emotions though, Pat, when you say that, and yeah. I can just see your poor brother, when that woman said that to him, it must've broken his heart at that Terrible. moment. Yes. <laughs> There's the breaking, there is the point where you know that it's over. Do you know what I mean? Now my sisters, 
were much better at it than I was. I don't know why, but they, in picking and choosing, they would say, no, I don't. They didn't even look up. No, I don't want that. And I, but it helped me my next time. Do you know right. what I mean? So then when we had to move out of LA, I got re I'm better. I got better at it because I realized, and Cindy just said it beautifully. I needed to move out of LA financially to get to my next spot right. in life because the houses in LA are worth. And Cindy's, you know, family has been in that house forever, but how exciting is it going to be, Cindy, for you and Gail to have a new house? Right. right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like six of one, half a dozen of another here. Yeah. So, uh, and it, it helps so much to know the situation we will be going into. Yes. We already know everything about that house. So yeah. there aren't any nasty surprises like you get when you buy a new house sometimes. I have to say one other thing. When I, once in a while, and I don't know about you, Pat. Now, we just had to, I mean, I wanted to get rid of a lot of stuff from L.A., and some of it were pieces that were my mother's, okay? Some of them were pieces from Kenny's family. Right. So what I tried to do was I really would take my cup of coffee in the morning and go shopping in my own house right. and I put a post-it on what I was going to keep. And then there were some things that I looked down and I said, I love you, I, my own Marie Kondo. I loved you so fucking much, pink chair. Goodbye. Oh, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> Or thank you. Or a couple of pieces I said, oh, I spent way too much for you, but I'm going to still let you go. And it was easier for me. Do you know what I mean? It was so much easier because I realized that after my mother died, I just didn't want her. It wasn't about the things that I took. I just wanted her to remember her the way she was. Absolutely. And I want to say that, you know, to the listening audience is that if I, if I could tell you to kind of like do, you know, pay attention to that now because you don't, you're going to be in shock and grief and horror when the time comes. I don't care how prepared you think you are. And it's something that this discussion needs to happen before with your parents. And if your parents are not capable of talking it with siblings or even with an estate planning lawyer, little FYI, something I'm doing now is going around the house and just seeing, like you say, maybe watches or jewelry that might be of some value, but I think you need to know what everything you have is worth. There may be something in the house that you can sell to an art dealer or an auction house. Um, and it, it, you know, it's not, I think it's worth exploring if you can get some money for things that nobody in the family is worth taking. And if you could just take that little effort, and now it's easy. I'm doing it now. We have some things in our house that um, are highly specialized. And so the, the auction house said to me, take pictures of it and send it to us. And we'll see if it's in the ballpark of something that's worth sending out an appraiser for. And so, you know, that's what I'm looking at. This is an estate planning lawyer session, which we'll do at another time. But the other reason for knowing that too, if somebody's somewhere down, you know, a cousin from Mars wants to come after you, uh, or some kid comes along and said, I'm the illegitimate child of your father. Yeah. You know, you have, you have everything on paper. So it's a little bit of work, but it's worth having. And, um, you know, be, get, if your parents aren't willing to have the conversation, have the conversation with yourself in terms of what you're going to do when it happens. Um, siblings were a big issue, Pat. Siblings are a huge issue. You know, this is why Cindy buying her 
brother-in-law and sister's house. I mean, they're a unit. They're all working together. You know what I mean? Successfully that it all worked for everyone because I have a friend right now who has four siblings, but his father needs to move into a facility and has lived in a house for almost 50 or 60 years. The wife's been dead for 20 or 30, has every newspaper that has been delivered. So he's at that end of the spectrum that's, so he's been living there for the last four months. All they've got done yet, they haven't even done dividing things up or selling it or what they'll take with them. They're just still throwing junk out. Right. And but he sends me texts and he's the loveliest person and I love him in case he heard this, but he keeps saying, don't talk to me about my siblings because they've obviously left it all to him. Because now, that, that, yeah. He's the single guy. So they're making him take care of everything. Now, let me tell you something that this is a, it's an emotional issue as well as a legal issue is that at what point are you entitled to more if you're taking care of it? And I'm just asking you girls as an opinion. Yeah. In my family, there's five of us and everything went five ways. Everybody did contribute and everybody helped out. So we were lucky and we we're very bonded that way. But there are families where the kids have nothing to do with their parents or siblings for years on end and then show up at the end. Mm -hmm. So that is something that you have to get on paper also. My opinion of that is that I think the siblings who have the most need should get it. I think that's a more proper distribution that everything should be um, even three ways, five ways, two ways, depending on how many kids there are. But if one per kid has more of a need and the relationship is okay and everybody's okay with it, maybe they can get cashed out and get a little bit more. I mean, there's a million ways to skin that cat, obviously. I but think it has to be on paper. It has it to be on paper. Yeah. Kenny's family, Kenny's mother, Kenny's father had passed. Kenny's mother needed to be moved into a home. Huge home in Shaker Heights, you know, huge room after room after room. After. She still had the boys, Boy Scouts uniforms hanging in their closets. Oh, my I, goodness. And I said to her one day, Gigi, do you think the boys still can fit in those? I mean, these were, now they're old men. Right. And they're everything. But here was the bottom line. Kenny's two brothers and like him all live very far away. His sister lived a few blocks away. Well, who do you think did all the work at the end there? So the boys each flew back for several days and they were able to take a few pieces of things that they wanted. But Gigi had made no bones about it. And she liked me and Cindy will be amazed that I can say this now without bitterness and hostility. She had put in her will that Pat got her, his sister's name is Pat, got all the jewelry. And the reason for it was that she wanted it to go to her daughter. Okay. And and when at first, but the boys grumbled about once or twice, but I would say to Kenny, Pat earned every piece of that because for the last 10 years of her parents' life, she lived two blocks away and took care of them. My husband wasn't in Cleveland. His brothers weren't in Cleveland. So I think if people can be honest, unless there's bad blood between brothers and sisters, if they talk it out and yeah, even if they just write it out on a pad by themselves and I'll sign it, do you know what I mean? And so that everybody's clear as to what's going on. I just have to, to, to insert this here that this is hysterical with you guys talking about artwork and jewelry. Um, there was nothing like that here, nothing. You have a point, Cindy, you have a point. There's a house. 
Yeah. There, there's a house in a tandem. <laughs> and my my sister and brother-in-law, my, you know, my dad had some, my brother won't hear this, so this is okay. Um, my dad had my brother written out of getting anything. He's always been a problem. My dad was just completely and my brother they're very much alike so they're both uh uh you know uh -huh. not speaking to each other nothing and then um uh he wanted to leave everything to my mom he left everything to my mom and and when we were discussing all this with my dad and the estate lawyer uh, we agreed to have it all split between me and my sister and then also to the grandkids later on but when my dad passed away we went back in with the lawyer and put my brother back in because oh. he is in he is in need Cindy, that's he really is in need uh but that's not going to happen unless something happens to me or when something happens to my mom, then I'm uh, my sister and my brother-in-law, and I am I am in a very very unique situation. They had a meeting with my mom and dad, and they said, um, "Cindy is taking care of you. We don't want you to leave any of this to us. We want you to leave it to to Cindy. Cindy's taking care of mom. She'll be in the house afterwards. She should be able to stay there." and not worry about anything. So I have to arrange things for uh, what I do with things after my mom passes. Uh -huh. How civil I'm still, I'm still like beyond touch that they did that. And then my sister, of course, said to me, you, I, I hope you're going to leave things to my children afterwards. And yeah. I said, of course I'm going to. There's nothing wrong with that. It sounds so civilized. Yeah, that is amazing. One so last thing, Pat, and then you, because yeah. I know Pat had one or two other points. One of my, all my friends, when you started with this, Cindy, about there's no art and there's no, <laughs> one of my, well, there's art, art. everybody, knows. To me, that art. <laughs> my big chill girlfriends, okay, that we all went to grade school together. Now, of course, our families have passed on. Well, one or two of us, when we've talked about estates or the money or a fight or just getting it in writing, one of them cropped up and said, Gee, my brother and I didn't never said we buried mommy, didn't worry about it. I said, I don't want to say her name, honey. I call her honey. Honey, when there's two dollars on the table, you both take a buck and walk out of the room, put 10, 12 million dollars in the middle of that table, and you're going to see how people act. That's right. not everyone is going to be ethical and charming like Cindy's family, right. and that's why, Pat, to your I tell that story to your statement. Anything that can be written down before people pass on right. is the way to do it. Even if it's an ashtray, you absolutely. know, absolutely, ashtray from the Hilton and a hat from the, you know, Coachella. I put it in writing. And uh, you know, say it to somebody else that you know, just it, handwritten, um, type it up, or you know, hopefully you can get a parent to dictate to you what it is they want. And it gets submitted somewhere somehow, because otherwise probate, the state will take everything that's yours. Well, Pat and Cindy, thank you so much. I think that this crossover idea with women beyond a certain age is kind of brilliant. Women beyond a certain age that eat well, live well, age well. I'm liking it.
I'm liking it. If you want to reach out to us, go to womenbeyond at iCloud.com. Of course, we have a Facebook page. Of course, we have a website. But I have to tell you, we love getting messages from people. We love show ideas. And today's show and the next upcoming show was Pat's idea. And I think it's absolutely brilliant because we should all be planning for the future. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Cindy. And again, womenbeyond at iCloud.com. Leave us a message or people often are afraid. They don't want other people to read their messages. So then they just private text Cindy and I or private messages. And that's fine too. Okay, ladies. Thank you so much. I think that was fabulous. Thank you all so much Wonderful. for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.